Bonjour, hello, and happy Thursday, everybody. Thank you for uh, jumping in listening to the Pick Up the Blitz podcast hosted live on the Locker Room app, as always, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else your podcasts are found. I'm here, Justin Heyer, today with Nick Bellotto. Our co-host, Trevor Heyer, as usual, is making his <laughs> Thursday absence become a regular thing uh, on our show, but uh, he should be here tomorrow for our uh, All Dolphins episode. Uh, as always, Thursday is our national coverage episode. We're going to be hitting on everything NFL, doing a little bit of, uh, of analysis on what happened last week in the NFL, and of course, the majority of today's episode is going to be previewing week eight of the 2020 NFL season. We'll go through some of the major storylines heading into the week. We'll go through our game picks, and you guys live on Locker Room seem to really enjoy our wild card question of the day, a segment we brought back that we had had a couple months ago, and and had, uh, had left the show, but I think it's now going to be a regular piece of our show uh, going forward because it seems to be everyone, uh, everyone enjoyed it. Sort of when we just discuss something completely unfootball related, uh, something totally random. We get you know everyone here live on Locker Room to throw out some, some fun answers to some fun questions in the chat as well. So we'll have that going. I'm sure uh, Nick and I are going to try to think of some fun, interesting questions as the show is going. It's more fun when they're impromptu. Yeah, for both of us. <laughs> Exactly. Um, okay, so it's week eight. We're at the halfway point of the season. Um, obviously, there are a bunch of things going on right now with regards to injuries. There are a couple of COVID-related things going on. I don't know if anyone saw, but the Chargers and Giants each had a player test positive. So immediately we're looking uh, towards this week to see, okay, how might that affect the schedule? The Chargers play the Broncos, who have already been, there's, you know, has, has had their schedule messed up with COVID-related things. The Giants play the uh, Buccaneers. Uh, so obviously, if, if these issues end up moving games around uh, for the weekend schedule, it's going to have a lot more of an impact than what we saw in the first couple weeks of the season. Because teams have already had some, you know, some teams have already had their buys, right? The idea of, okay, let's just move a bye week is not as easy to do anymore as it was in weeks two, three, four. So definitely something to watch out for uh, going forward. Uh, just uh, sort of as a news note for everyone. But, Nick, I really wanted to discuss a couple of specific teams uh, with you today. And obviously I want to um, hear what, uh, what you've got on your mind to discuss as well. But um, I want to jump into the Bears because the Bears seem to be a total enigma, right? They were 5-1, and one, obviously one of the best records in the NFL at that point going into last week's game. And they just got abs- – they, they, they essentially just – they got their ass handed to them. Is, honestly, that's, there's no other way to say it. The offense could not do anything in their Week 7 matchup. And now they're going up against a pretty formidable Saints team. What do you make of the Chicago Bears right now? I think, you know, early on in the year, they were one of those teams that everybody was in love with because of their perfect record. But I think it was Week 3 or Week 4 that I had made a comment on the show that they were the worst undefeated team uh, in, in the league. Um, and I think I think part of the reason that they were undefeated and is because of their defense, which I think their defense is incredible. Their offense is is not in and their offense is, is not good. Um, and I think what's happening is as the Bears start to play more, you know, higher quality opponents, it, that th- those discrepancies on that side of the ball are starting to surface a little bit more uh, regularly. So I, I don't I think this is a, a half built team. I think on defense they have potential to be fantastic but on offense they just can't they can't get anything going and I don't you know I know they made the move from 
Mitch Stravitsky or Mitchell, sorry, Mitchell Stravitsky um, to Nick Foles. Uh, and, you know, listen, it paid off a little bit, but I, I just I don't see that being the a, a viable answer for this team moving forward. And you saw what happens when they play a quality defense, too. They just got picked apart. I think that the Bears are in trouble. They, they're five and two, but they're not a good five and two team. They're, they're right in the back of that defense, which can only get you so far, as we saw um, once we went up against some more higher powered offense in, in the Rams. Yeah, I mean, since Nick Foles has taken over, they've scored 11, 20, 23, and 10 points. Those are not good numbers. And they've played some good defenses. They played the Colts, the Bucks, and the Rams in that span. Uh, and all three of those are top defensive units in the NFL. So it's not like they've been going up against you know, puppy dog teams and haven't been able to put up any points. But if you're a playoff contender, if you're a team that's, you know, gunning to win the division, which their record indicates they should be, you need to move the ball. And Nick Foles seems to be part of the problem. Uh, Darnell Mooney, who is their deep threat opposite uh, Allen Robinson generally, was open like six different times downfield, like wide open. And Nick Foles just kept missing him, just completely and totally kept missing him. I think part of it is, is a really lackluster offensive line. Part of it might be uh, Matt Nagy's play calling. I'm not 100% sure how much the blame should be placed on him. But I don't know if you saw this. Nick Foles was apparently, uh, there's a little bit of, of um, back and forth with this particular quote because he was asked about the press conference and he said, you know, it's not the way it, it sounds. But he, apparently he said that sometimes he'll get a play call in his helmet and he'll know before the play is snapped that he doesn't have time to run that play call just because the O-line is that bad. Do you think there's any shot? at this point from what you've seen from that team, that they could still compete for that division crown against Green Bay? No, <laughs> no. I mean, listen, I think they might say that their defense can still win them a couple of games. And I, I think that if they go up against some of these weaker teams in their conference, not just in their division, but in their conference, um, th- there might be an opportunity for them to win a few more games here, but offensively, they just can't, they can't keep up with Green Bay. Um, I don't see them taking that division at all. And if you look at the the rest of the landscape of the of the NFC in general, um, I, I can't see them really making the playoffs. If you you know, because one of one of those dumpster fires out of the dumpster fire known as the NFC East will make the playoffs, right? But then you look at like the NFC West. There are three teams in there that are better than the Bears are. Three teams in this in the Seahawks, the Cardinals, and the Rams, right? They're, I don't think they're going to beat the Packers for the division crown. And I think the Bucks and the Saints and maybe even the Panthers are, are a better team right now than, than the Bears are. I, I don't, not only do I not see them competing for the crown, I don't see them competing for a playoff spot. I think this is moments away from completely derailing for Chicago. Yeah, that would be something. A team that goes 5-1 and one to completely miss on a playoff spot in an expanded playoff format where there are seven teams. I would go so far as to say there might even be four teams. That entire NFC West division might be better than the Bears. The 49ers beat the Rams, who just kicked the crap out of the Bears. And obviously, you can't make total direct comparisons, but that was one week after the other. I'm not it's not like I'm extrapolating back to week two. That was literally two weeks ago, 49ers beat the Rams. Then last week, the Rams beat the Bears, pretty convincingly. So uh, it might be, honestly, that entire division. That entire division might make the playoffs, but uh, this Bears team is in trouble. Uh, last question I'll have for you on the Bears do you think there's any chance we see Mitch Trubisky come back and start? Do you think they then go back and bench Nick Foles if this offense continues to struggle? Yeah, sure. There's a chance. Uh, I mean, that'd it, be something. 
it, well, it wouldn't surprise me because I watched Miami play last year. So it wouldn't surprise me. And that's what happened in Miami. They, they started with Fitzpatrick. He wasn't getting the job done. They moved to Josh Rosen. He was worse. They went back to Fitzpatrick and they won a couple games. So, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me, especially if, if they're struggling. If, if at some point they think that this just isn't working, we were better with Trubisky, which record wise they were, right? Um, so, it, you know, I could see it happening. I don't think it's likely. I think he's I think his time is over in Chicago. Um, but would it surprise me? No. And, and, you know, going back to the whole playoff conversation that we just had, I think the only thing that might be in Chicago's favor is that they have a somewhat weak ish schedule for the remainder of the season. You know, they go up against the Saints, which I assume is going to not look very good for Chicago. But, and then they, they play the Titans, you know, the Packers again. But then they've got the Vikings twice, who are a mess. They got the Lions. Uh, they got the Texans, who are a mess. And they got the Jaguars. So their schedule might save their playoff opportunities more than the team would. And their defense can feast on a couple of those teams. But I, even if they make the playoffs, they're, a, they're out in the first round. I'd be shocked if they won a playoff game. I know it doesn't. That's extension of your your original question, but just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, I know the schedule is a good point. That defense is good enough to single-handedly beat. I think the Vikings twice, the Texans, the Jaguars, and even potentially the Lions. So uh, that defense, you're right, might might gift them a playoff spot uh, because they already have those five wins. And so if they get three or four more in an expanded playoff format, it might it might be enough to win. Where else on the on the schedule for Week Eight? Or anyone uh, listening on locker room, feel free to throw things in the chat or. Uh, or otherwise, where else are you looking at in, in terms of top storylines, uh, things to look out for in Week Eight? Well, I don't want to I don't want to spend too much time on it, but obviously, I think the the Tua uh, Tua storyline is a big one. I'll spend as long as you want on Tua. <laughs> yeah, but that, but then we're gonna just repeat ourselves yeah, tomorrow, no, so I'm, it's it's you know we gotta uh, save, you know, I, we gotta save some intrigue for tomorrow's show. Right, exactly, and I think we've got a classic AFC North matchup, which I think is gonna be fun and exciting uh, with um, with Pittsburgh. At uh, at Baltimore, right? It's Pittsburgh at Baltimore, I believe, next uh, this Sunday. Yeah, um, that's gonna be a great game. I, I it's always know, a great game. Oh, it's it's always a great game. But I think this year it's gonna be even better because we're finally gonna be able to see this kind of we're gonna see this six or no Pittsburgh team that is has won a lot of good games, some in convincing fashion, some in you know a little bit less than convincing fashion. Um, go up against Lamar Jackson and all of that Ravenness. That kind of just exists there. Um, I think I think that's going to be an interesting game because this is a battle for the, the top of the division, right? If if yeah. Baltimore can come out on top, uh, that will that will give them control of the division because they'll have that head to head record, um, or they'll have at least that win on this on this uh, go around. Um, and I, I'd like to see if the Ravens defense can do anything to slow down this uh, this Pittsburgh. Offense. Um, the Ravens defense has been good for years. Uh, only seems to be getting better with, uh, you know, with the trade of Yannick Ngakwe last last week. Was it last week? Goodness, uh, like just the, yeah, just this. Yeah. In the past few days. In the past few days. OK, so goodness, it feels like it's been a, a while. Could be <laughs> who knows anymore? Um, but, you know, I'm interested to see how this matchup plays out. And I think I think that's one. And I'm also interested to see what happens with this New England Buffalo game. Because and, and we can maybe talk about it because I think that's something else that needs to be addressed. Um, just what the hell is going on in New England? Um, first, you know, I can, you know, finally something is going wrong in New England. And as a Dolphins fan, it's nice to finally see that those little chinks in the armor that we've been hoping for for years. Um, 
but this New England team is going up against uh, a pretty solid, although not firing on all cylinders, Buffalo team um, that didn't look great against the Jets. I mean, that's a good – it's a divisional matchup. They're going to play each other hard. I'm interested to see if New England can bounce back after a poor, abysmal showing uh, against the 49ers last week. Yeah, the I, w- I want to go back one sec with the Steelers matchup you were discussing. The, uh, of and course. We'll, we'll hit New England. The, the Steelers matchup to me is even more interesting. You know, forget the whole rivalry thing, which always makes this game so fun. But the Steelers, through the first, I mean, obviously the only undefeated team still in the NFL. I don't have them yet, though, at the very top of my personal power rankings. They're certainly top five, if not top three. But the reason I don't have them up there yet is because they've now only beaten one legitimate, in my mind, AFC crown contender in Tennessee. Before that, their schedule was a cakewalk. It was the Giants, the Broncos, the Texans, and the Eagles, all of which are teams with a dozen flaws or more. The Browns are obviously a, a really solid team, but they're extremely streaky. And then they beat the Titans, but barely, right? So now for them to go up against the Baltimore team that is certainly contending for the AFC crown, if the Steelers could come out and win this game, uh, not even necessarily in convincing fashion, but make this game super competitive and come out with a win, then I think you know your the Steelers will then have proven uh, that they are potentially the team to beat in the AFC, not just one of the... Uh, of the top two or three. So uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that their, their defense is certainly there and their offense has been clicking so far. Obviously they have a bunch of weapons at receiver and the running game has been strong too. And the Ravens, and just before you start talking about New England, the Ravens are in the yeah. same boat. You know, you talk yeah. about Pittsburgh having that kind of lax schedule in the beginning. The Ravens had a, a similar lax level of games that they had yeah. to play, you know, playing against the Browns, the Texans, the Washington football team. Uh, the Bengals and the Eagles. So they, they've also had the benefit of a of a pretty easy schedule to start. So this is going to be a good game to see who's for real and who isn't in that AFC North. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, when you're when you're talking about chinks in the armor in, with New England, it's not even chinks at this point. That that armor's falling off. That team is kind of falling apart. I mean, Finally. the the magic, the Cam Newton magic that I know you were excited about. Our co-host Trevor was excited about. Um, and a lot of people in the NFL community were excited about when we saw it in the first two or three weeks. It, it's it's gone. Cam Newton is who we all have known him to be for the past two or three seasons. Injuries or not, he's just. I mean, he's. I don't, I, I think it's fair to say, and it, it hurts me to say, but I don't think he's Super Cam anymore. And I think Super Cam. I don't think Super Cam's coming back, especially with this team around him right now. That in terms of weapons is pretty subpar. Now Julian Edelman's gone for a couple of weeks, as of a couple hours ago. Nikhil Harry, I don't think, is supposed to play this week. So you have Demir Bird and uh, anyone else, like Dalton Keene, uh, their, their rookie tight end. Uh, who, I don't know who else is there. There's not, not a whole lot to be excited about in terms of uh, who he's throwing to. So with that, and the running back is just like a constant rotation of like whoever's healthy. So... I don't see Super Cam coming back. I think, and listen, Bill Belichick has proven me wrong for forever. But I think it's time that we uh, that we all can you know can finally come to terms with the fact that New England is no longer the top of the class in this division, and I don't think they're making the playoffs at this point. 
I don't. I don't think so either. Um, I, I agree. I think that. I think Cam Newton, and it's disappointing because, like you said, I was very excited about this opportunity for Cam because I've always uh, said yeah, I like Cam. I'm sorry. As a player. Sean says Jacoby Myers. I I, I ignored uh, my apologies for ignoring ignoring <laughs> Jacoby Myers. He's there as well. That's right. Thank thank goodness. Um, but you know, I think this is this is this is Bill Belichick's way of of building a roster catching up to him right because he's always been the kind of guy to pay to not pay big players and not really focus on stars because you can kind of mix and match and kind of build it together as long as you've got 12 behind center he doesn't have 12 anymore and i think it's starting to it's starting to show that this team while while belichick i still believe was an is an incredible coach and one of the best who have done it if you don't have tom brady right, to make up for that talent deficit across the remainder of your roster, you can't sustainably win football games, right? And, and I think that this is – Belichick has been lucky over the past 20 years to have had that opportunity where he can use Brady to make up that difference, but he can't anymore and can't – and it's just all catching up to him. This roster, I think, needs an overhaul, and it's in, it like saying the words – it sounds insane. It sounds like I'm losing my mind when you think about how the Patriots have been so dominant for so long. But I think it's time. I think that I think that this roster needs to be purged a little bit, right? A couple of names need to be uh, shipped off somewhere else, and this it needs to be rebuilt. Yeah, and you, you're talking about Belichick's way of building a roster. And when you look at the Patriots' draft history over the past bunch of years. First of all, ain't, ain't been good. It, it, first, yeah. First of all, it ain't been good in general. Second of all, it's been extraordinarily defense heavy because Brady's been the cure to all ailments for that offense. And you look at their recent skill position, uh, their skill position draft prospects. Nikhil Harry's done just about nothing for that team. He's flashed at times, but he's either hurt or just doesn't show up on game day. Sony Michelle, the exact same story, either hurt or not showing up for the most part. And then other than that, he's kind of just throwing darts in the mid to late rounds. You haven't seen anything from those two rookie tight ends this, uh, yet this year. Braxton Berrios from a couple of years ago already on a new team with the Jets. And you keep looking back, there just doesn't draft a lot of skill position players. And unfortunately, despite the fact that you can sometimes find them in free agency, if you're not going to pay them either, then eventually when you don't have Brady anymore, the skill position players that you have look like uh, they look like what you've invested in them, which is they they dominant. look like Jacoby Myers. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they look like Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird, and that's about it. And that's a real problem when you have Cam Newton, who's no longer super Cam. So, uh, yeah, I think you might be right with with roster overhaul. Sean in the chat, by the way, says Vrabel and the Titans ended dynasty. I'm gonna I'm gonna one up that. I'm gonna say Mike Kosecki and Ryan Fitzpatrick into the Patriots dynasty because <laughs> the week before. They were the reason it, with that uh, last-minute touchdown that the Patriots didn't get their bye. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm, Miami's taking credit, John. I'm sorry, we're taking credit for ending that dynasty. I feel like we deserve it after suffering under that dynasty for two decades. So yeah, well the, the whole NFL really did, but we felt it a lot closer. It was a lot closer to home, literally. Exactly. <laughs> literally. Exactly. Um, um, but I th- I think the Patriots yeah. are are. Uh, I think Belichick can still get it done, but they need to, you know, they, they need to consider overhauling this roster, selling off some of their um, the assets that they still have, whether that's Stephon Gilmore or Julian Edelman, who is beyond banged up this season or 
I can't really name a lot of offensive players that I would potentially see as potential trade bait for this team. Um, but they, they need to draft better next season. Otherwise, this is going to be another year of poor Patriots football because I just don't I don't think Sidham's the answer. Cam is unfortunately not. And that makes me sad. Um, but it's a reality. And I, I think New England is in a weird position for them that they need to they need to really think hard about overhauling this roster if they want to build something sustainable. Not for this year. I think this year is a, a potentially a lost cause, but for next year. Yeah, so that I mean that matchup will certainly be an interesting one to determine the rest of the landscape of the AFC East. If the Patriots lose this matchup, they they fall to two and five. That's essentially the end of their season, and obviously it would keep the Bills a full game uh, and more up on the uh, on Miami Dolphins pending their game against the Rams. If you scroll up a bit in the locker room chat, you'll see uh, Sean Sean mentioned the Titans and the Bengals game, and the reason I want to mention this game, and obviously we're going to go into all the games at least a bit when we do our game picks. This one specifically is because I saw a stat today that I didn't, I didn't, hadn't realized. The Bengals are 1, 12, and 1. That's one win, 12 losses, one tie in one score games with Zach Taylor as head coach. And I think that's a fascinating stat because generally these one score games you'll see are, for the most part, real toss-ups in the NFL. That, whole, that adage on any given Sunday when the game's that close, it's pretty much anyone's game. Now, you could chalk some of that, I'm sure, up to poor game management on the part of Zach Taylor at the at those critical moments, those critical junctures at the end of a game when you're within one score. You could chalk some of it up to they were being blown out in many of these games, and then in garbage time they started to catch up and they made it one score. But one twelve and one, some of that's bad luck. And so I think it goes to show that Zach Taylor might not be as bad of a coach as he seems to be given his record. And that the Bengals, despite their poor record right now, with a very feisty offense with Joe Burrow leading the way, can still do damage to some teams. We saw that last week with Cleveland. Uh, do you think there's any chance, because this is what Sean mentioned in the, uh, in the chat, do you think there's any chance the Titans are upset this week by Cincinnati? And I obviously will get, we'll get to our game picks, so maybe I'm sneaking one out of you here. I, I, ooh, I want to say yes. My soul wants to say yes, but I can't say yes. Because it's fun um, to watch Joe Burrow go out there and throw around the football and potentially, I mean, it's yeah, fun to see he, him win. Yes. And it, it's fun to see him first. It's awesome to see him playing well yeah. um, for a rookie uh, on a pretty awful team. I just, I think the Titans are just a much better built squad all around. I just don't think if, if there was an upset lurking uh, for the Bengals somewhere along the season, I just, I don't see this being it. So um, I, I don't see that happening this week. I just, I think the Titans just, you know, listen, they're, they are, you said the the Steelers aren't very high in your power rankings, right? Because of, a, well, the, no, I, I said reason. they're not at my top, but they're, they're certainly, they're certainly high. But, but I would, even though they just lost, I would put in the Titans above the Steelers in mine because okay. of they've, they've been able to win in more complete fashions this season. So I, I don't see, I don't see that upset happening this week. I, I just, I can't see it. I can't wrap my mind around that concept. No, especially because Tennessee's Tennessee's trademark at this point is time of possession, keeping the ball out of the other team's hands with Derrick Henry. That's not taking anything away from Ryan Tannehill. He's been even better this season than he was last season, which is kind of nuts, um, or at the very least as good, um, but in a lot of ways better. And they've used that he's I think he's been needed a little bit more than he was last season. Um, but if you're keeping the ball out of Joe Burrow's hand, that Cincinnati defense is awful. They're going to give up a bunch of points, especially after just trading away. Um, Carlos Dunlap. So I uh, I see the Titans winning this game in convincing fashion, but it's a it's a fun thing to think about for sure. 
Sure. And, and I, you know, it's exactly, it's fun to think about. And that stat is really interesting. Um, I, I, I don't know if it, if it, um, absolves Zach Taylor from his poor coaching record, but you know, it might shed some light, you know, context is always important for a lot of things and it might give you some context of those losses. Uh, Especially but I don't have such a terrible roster. Right. He has had a pretty terrible roster, but so did Brian Flores. And I don't want to like, fair. listen, I always, I, I, I know we always cycle back around to the dolphins because that's what our forte is in. But I would say Brian Flores, roster last year was worse than the Bengals roster this year. And they won five games and they were competitive in a lot more than those five. Yeah, that's, def- that's definitely a fair point. So a good coach knows how to maximize his, his talent. Yes. Yeah, that, no, that is absolutely true. And Flores has shown certainly a much better job of doing that than, than Zach Taylor. The Zach Taylor's offense, I'd say this year for one and five team or one five and one team has definitely been fun to watch and impressive. Oh no, their, their offense is better. Just like the, like the bears offense is worse than five and two. Their offense is better than one, five and one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's that's a perfect comparison and a uh, a perfect perfect way to uh, to put that. Um, okay, I want to do our weekly our weekly Adam Gase watch. Gase is going <laughs> up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay, he's going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. This is obviously probably going to be the largest blowout. It's, get, that they it's will gonna face. be a fifty burger. It's gonna oh, be a fifty burger all Easy. year. Is this the week? We have to ask every week. Is this the week? Everyone, let us know in the chat. Is this the week Adam Gase gets fired? Or does nope. he still manage to crawl nope. his way to another game? Nope, absolutely not, because for some reason he still has a job. So if he still has a job after games that the Jets should have won, he's probably not going to lose his job against a team where the Jets have legitimately no <laughs> shot. No way. No way he loses his job this week. If he didn't lose his job after all of the other travesties we've seen, this one, I think everybody in the Jets organization – looked at this game and said, yeah, we're not getting this one. So this, I don't think this changes anything. Casey on Locker Room uh, is, is in the chat right now. I'm so sorry that you are a Jets fan. That That is truly, truly unfortunate. He's saying that he thinks, and Saul's agreeing with him on this, that Gase makes it to the end of the year, which I, wow. I, I, I don't like. Why? Someone explain why. Nick, Casey, well, maybe, someone. If yeah, one of you Casey, wants to come up wanna... and explain to me. Why? Because that makes no sense to me. Yeah. Well, unless, unless the only thing I can think of, and I can't, I, it's not even like a legitimate thought in, in terms of the reality of it. Are they truly just trying to tank, right? Are they, are they keeping base there so that he just continues to ruin this team so that they secure that number one pick as early as they possibly can? Absolutely. And if they are, like, what does that say yeah, about this organization? Sorry, go ahead, Sean. Well, no, it says that this organization is doing what it needs to do. Instead of trying to, uh, you know, mitigate what you got with Gase, and instead of trying to sit here and make the best of it and make it more than what it actually is, this franchise is to the point to where it has to go all in to tank. It just has to. Because when it comes to the upcoming NFL draft, when you've got Fields and you've got Lawrence, and Lawrence should go, I don't see there being over the next few years after this a better chance to get a really, really talented quarterback on that level. There always is. But when you've got Fields and Lawrence, it certainly is there, especially in the case of Lawrence. So if Gase is giving you the best chance to get the number one overall pick 
and it's going to be hard for you to get that asset of that caliber again, do all you can to go forward and get that number one pick. You absolutely have to tank because number one, it's your best chance of getting rid of Gase and getting the you know complete turnover that you need. And number two, it's getting you the best asset possible to start that rebuild that you need as well. That's why I think it makes perfect sense to hold on to Gase all year. But Sean, let, let me ask you a question. Then Casey, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear from you on this. Do you think, like, if you're if you're Trevor Lawrence and you know that, and you can like you can see this, right? Everyone is aware that Gase is not the answer, and the Jets are just keeping him there. If there's any potential reality to the to this conversation that they are willing to just keep a guy in place to lose, and their goal isn't to win, if you're Trevor Lawrence, do you want to go to that team? Absolutely, I wouldn't because I would not. It's the whole reason why they're they're doing it. They're giving themselves the best chance to get Lawrence. You can't look at this Jets team, in my opinion, if you're Lawrence, and think this is how it's going to be once you get there. Because once you get there, it's going to be catered to you. That's the way that it's going to happen. Now, I've also said that I think if, it, if the Jets were to commit to Gase and they were to keep losing, or if they were to just be keeping to keep being a complete crap show like they are, Lawrence could stay in college. But you've got to consider, you've got to consider they're in New York. You've got to consider that they do have assets there in terms of the future. And you've also got to consider that if they fire Gase, there, there's not going to really be a, a better setup for Lawrence in terms of, I mean, what else is he going to do? Go to Jacksonville? So when you consider all the options, it, the market is there in New York. And if Gase is gone and Lawrence is there, that completely changes the outlook of the head coach that can be there for them compared to Gase. So I don't think Lawrence looks at this situation and lets it, sit here and impact his decision too much because it's going to be completely different if the Jets land him in terms of the quality of him. Casey, what are your, uh, your thoughts on that? First up, uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Sorry, I was uh, just finishing up work for the day. But, um, yeah, look, I echo a lot of what Sean said. So let, let's, let's, let me backtrack for a second. Um, I'm a diehard Jets fan, right? I work for NBC Sports Sunday Night Football, so I like to consider myself very unbiased when it comes to – my viewpoints and whatnot, but I'm a diehard Jets fan. As soon as Adam Gase was hired, I literally said, what the fuck? Excuse my language. I didn't mean the curse. Um, what the hell? Like, they just watched this guy flame out at their division rival and proceeded to go ahead and hire him, thinking he was just going to miraculously become this all-star head coach, offensive guru, coaching to where football is going overnight. From the get-go, from his first press conference, you knew it was going to be a disaster, just with him looking all bug-eyed and stuff. 18 months later, yes, we were proven right. It's been an absolute disaster. My whole Twitter feed has been committed to pounding the table to get this guy fired. But at this point in time, it's just like, I'm with Sean. They're not going to fire him until the end of the year because they are in full-on tank mode. They want to have a complete clean slate at the end of the season. And they feel as if, the longer he's the coach, then obviously the less chance they have at winning. And for some reason, they really, really pride themselves on this uh, notion that by firing him midseason, it would be detrimental to Sam Darnold when all they've done in the past 24 months has been detrimental to Sam Darnold. And it doesn't even matter because more likely than not, he's going to be gone in three months and not the next Jets quarterback. So at this point in time, it's just they kind of don't want to lose – they don't want to lose any other personalities in the locker room and they just want to let it be. They want Chris Johnson's reign as ownership to just kind of go without having to deal with this. His brother Woody will come back from London. 
in two months, he'll clean up the mess and they'll move on from Gase. But it's just the whole organization's pathetic. It's sad that it's we're still talking about this. It's sad that the guy is still the head coach. He should have been fired after last season. But here we are. We're 0-7. We're fully committed to the tank. And um, I just hope they literally get embarrassed every week that he is still the coach. That is my main – like, as a fan, that is what I have to root for. I have to root for him to get embarrassed so badly they won't even think twice about even thinking retaining him because I'm still not even sold they fire him. Wow. I, at the end of the I, year, you're still not sold. No, I'm still not sold. I'll tell you why. Because there is absolutely no one in the local media. There is not one beat writer who from, from like the New York area that challenges Adam Gaze. They kind of, for some reason, he has this uh, propensity to kind of uh, become very friendly with the beat writers, sort of like he did in Miami. And yeah. these beat writers just like eat it up. They There's just one... The one beat, one of the biggest Jets beat writers. His name is Brian Costello of the New York Post. For all, the whole entire, every other regime before him, he was always a, a very reputable person, right? He would call for Todd Bowles's job. He'd call for Mike McCagnon's job. Not once has he ever called for my, for Adam Gase's job. They've become very buddy buddy. Adam Gase feeds Brian Costello every piece of information possible if, i don't know if you guys caught this but did you know adam gase gave up his play calling duties on sunday yeah to, to uh, dabble logan's right right Ooh. yes to dabble logan did you do you know the only person who knew this was brian costello of the new york post so in exchange for him advocating for gase he gets these little nuggets and tidbits that he could break on his own right as the game starts uh, it's so pathetic yeah, so he fa- he fails to challenge them right and he's kind of a uh he is a big guy at the New York Post, so no one else in the Post, no other writers there will challenge him because it usually, I'm almost positive he has to approve of everything before it gets published. Or some, well, some crazy cockamamie stuff goes on there because not one of these guys challenges him. Every time he makes an excuse, put, puts it on his players, which you, I'm sure, all know he has done week in Absolutely. and week out. Every, throughout his entire coaching tenure, no one bats an eyelash. They don't even talk about it anymore in the media. They don't even question him. It's just like a foregone conclusion. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. It's just wait till the end of the season. We'll see what happens. It's just sad. Like, he looks so comfortable in his press conferences when he shouldn't. It's just, like, ridiculous. And you just have no confidence with them. Unfortunately, they're such a corrosive, cancerous organization that is just so poorly run from ownership down that, honestly, you just have no faith. I'm sorry to ramble. (laughs) No, 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 no. And, and I think you bring up a lot of points that, you know, and I, I have to ask, do you think, though, that if there are these kind of, you said corrosive kind of, a lot of these really bad words about the organization. Again, if you're trying to convince people that you are writing your ship, right, if you're trying to convince uh, a Trevor Lawrence type guy that, yes, you want to play for the Jets, right, or, free agents or, or any free agents, right, exactly, any free agents. Don't you think the organization should look at this situation and say, let's try and salvage what we can and show the rest of the league and, and college players who could come out or could stay that we do want to win? Right. So that, that's what any good organization would do, right? Like, that's the thinking. But still, they refused, refused to. But I will say, last week, they did start to play all their young guys finally. It took them 
only seven weeks. They're starting to give their snaps to this draft class. You saw Denzel Mims make his debut. He made a, a, a couple nice plays. Unfortunately, Sam Darnold missed him on a wide-open touchdown, which is a whole different story. That He's still making rookie mistakes in his third season. But, um, yeah, it's, they're starting to give more snaps to Michael P. Ryan. They have Jabari Zuniga, their edge rusher, coming back this week. He should be getting a lot of looks. They have their offensive tackle, Makai Becton, who looks terrific already. Sure. Unfortunately, injuries hampered him alert a little early on. But I think right now, it's I think the, our general manager, Joe Douglas, kind of flipped the switch last week, and he said to Adam, like, oh, maybe, I don't know if this happened, but it seems like he might have said, like, look, you could stick around for the rest of the year, but you have to start playing these young guys. Like, we drafted them to be the future of this team. I don't care if you're going to be here going forward past this year. I'm going to be here. I have a six-year contract. I want to make this work. I want to prove we're not a dumpster fire. So I could, I, my only hope is that's what happened, and last mm-hmm. week wasn't just a blip on the radar. It's hopefully what we'll see going forward. I'm okay with these guys getting a lot of snaps, showing progress week in and week out, getting better every week, like Quinn and Williams has this year, continuing to lose, just continue to get better, you know? Like, unfortunately, you're not going to win with this roster regardless. They might, my fear is that they do pull out one win against uh, <laughs> either they play the Raiders at home, who, notor- who they notoriously beat up on in MetLife, and – they play the Chargers on the road, who they always have their number. I'm scared they're going to win one of those games and unfortunately drop out from the one, the number one pick because I don't think Jacksonville's going to win a game again. And that's my fear that they do win and lose out on Trevor Lawrence. But I guess we'll have to see what happens here. But I don't think they're winning anytime soon, which is a good sign. And as long as they just continue to play their young guys, as long as they continue to develop and get better, then we see progress out of them, then I guess as long as Gase is fired at the end of the year, I guess I'll count it as a win. Like, that's the rationale I have to think about. Like, that's uh, – I don't even know. It's tough out here. It really is. It's been a decade of incompetence. Um, I'm, I'm happy we, get, we were able to give you a space to do a little bit of venting. And it's a fascinating perspective and a very interesting juxtaposition to what we saw in Miami last year because a lot of Miami fans felt the same way. They wanted the team to lose, to have – the best shot at either Burrow or Tua. The only difference is that, you know, instead of having a coach that really seemed already at the door, they had Brian Flores who had just come in. There seemed to be sort of a plan in place with GM Chris Greer. So it, it seemed a little bit more purposeful rather than falling into uh, a tank because the team was just playing that poorly and, and the head coach was that bad. But definitely still a very interesting uh, perspective and as as uh, you know, Nick and I are Dolphins fans, we certainly understand what it's like to watch a team that you know half of you wants to see it lose, even though you hate to see your team and, lose. And you know what it's like to watch a team coached by Adam Gase. I mean, and this guy is well, it's not pretty. Relate there too. It, it, no. It's just like the whole thing, like how he even got his uh, job. It's like beyond me. Like Peyton Manning recommended him to the owner. Like he yep. just flamed out with your crosstown division rival, and not not even flamed out. He got killed they were eight and five in the last in his last year and then they lost three straight games by like 25 points it was just like the whole thing's a disaster like i don't even know where to start it's the fact they hired him in the first place and you know what really it's just this will be my last thought and then i'll let andrew speak i see he wants to chime in the fact that they let a guy like matt rule walk out of their facilities they (laughs) wanted to give him the job 
And they said to Matt Rule, we have to hire your coordinators. And he is like, absolutely not. I'll bring in my staff who I want. But then two days yeah. later, they hired Adam Gase and let him hire whoever the hell he wants. And look at what Matt Rule's doing with uh, this Panthers roster. That will be my last thought. Thank you, you guys, for having me you on. You know, Casey, Thanks so much Casey, for jumping on, go, Casey. We, uh, before you go, we Casey. Before, What's up, before Andrew? Before you go, Casey, it, like, the question I wanted to ask, because you were touching on it with Justin being also – Hey, just fan, when I take off my objective journalist hat, as Justin knows, and shout out to Nick all the way as well here, is that um, so you would go if you had the number one or number two overall pick in next year's NFL draft, would you move away from Sam Darnold? Yes. Um, absolutely. I, 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 absolutely. I think, yeah, mm. it's a no-brainer. I think you have yeah, to. no-brainer. And I think it's because – of the looming contract, like, right. They're going to have to make a decision on what to do with Sam Darnold in mm-hmm. the next 12 months going forward. And I just don't see how you could justify paying this guy top end quarterback money. Look, I think Sam Ooh. Darnold, I think Sam Darnold could be a very nice quarterback in the NFL. It's just unfortunately not going to work out with the jets. They failed him from the start. His rookie year, you saw glimpses of greatness. And ever since that rookie year, unfortunately you just saw regression. He's had a tough hand. He's played a tough hand. They've surrounded him with little to no weapons, a porous offensive line that has just beaten his brains in. And you just look at him now in his third season, like he's still making rookie mistakes. He's regressed. And it's just like you can't justify paying him. And if you have the opportunity with the one or two pick, I think you have to just hit the restart, let the general manager pick his quarterback because he didn't pick Darnold and just start it over again. I mean, just continue to see what happens. I'm 100% with you, Casey. This, they, they, Darnold needs a fresh start, too. It's not just the yeah. Jets. He needs an opportunity to go you, literally you anywhere at, else. You look at him, and he just looks so beaten down and demoralized. And it's like you feel bad because this organization truly, truly failed someone who could have been mm-hmm. a very good talent in the NFL. And it's just yeah, they, likable, yeah. too. Yeah, you know, he is, guys. And, uh, you know, Casey, real quick before you go, probably. That um Cowboys Eagles game, the research for that for um, you all on Sunday. Um, how's that one going in terms of um, that matchup of NFC least teams? So I, I, I truthfully don't focus on the Sunday night game itself. I focus on more of just the games during the day, as mm-hmm. I handle all the pregame and halftime duties, as far as what goes into the show. But I will say I feel like for some reason the Cowboys always play tough in Philly, right? And Mm -hmm. I feel like the Eagles, whenever you think they're going to blow someone out, they fail to. They just play down to the competition. So I think it might be a little closer than we think. I think the Cowboys actually do cover the spread. Um, But I think the Eagles will eke it out in the end. For some reason, I just can't trust this Eagles team to just beat their brains in because they don't even look good themselves, you know? Glad you don't have to do much research on Ben DiNucci then. Um, exactly. Ben, ben DiNucci, the James Madison. It's funny. Someone just sent me a picture of his LinkedIn, and it's. I'll read it to you. It was literally right before I hopped on. <laughs> it says It says the following. Where is it? Hold on. This is it Ben says, DiNucci's LinkedIn? Yeah, this is Ben DiNucci's LinkedIn. It says, I'm currently oh, a senior... Goodness. I'm currently a senior communications major with a minor in general business at James Madison University. Along with being a student, I'm also a member of the varsity football team where I acquired critical time management and leadership skills that will transfer to the real world. I'm graduating December 2019. So I don't even think Ben DiNucci thought he would be in this position a year later. 
This he, is he, fascinating. He's now my MVP favorite right now, Ben DiNucci. And now he's starting an NFL game. Who would have thought? Definitely not could, Ben DiNucci. A lot could happen in a year, right? Unbelievable. And now he's starting – not only he's starting an NFL game, he's starting the primetime game of the NFL week. That's just – I mean, so far, that's I, unbelievable. I asked my bosses, like, you guys should – like, we can't get this game changed like Steelers-Ravens. Like, this is the best we could do. <sighs> and it's so annoying because you can never get an NFC East game flex just because exactly. of how well the ratings do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, Cowboys-Eagles, cool. I think, is you often the, the highest uh, – Viewed game of the year. Yeah, maybe not this for year. Sure. But generally, like, that's why the Giants are still on prime time. It's like for some reason the NFC teams just do monstrous ratings hits. And yeah, that's why. And if you had if you had the Seahawks for three straight weeks as a flex, because you know you had to do the the late games flex for um, right. schedule because the one one p.m. games is too I guess um, too too late or too far of a distance for preparation. So right, yeah, I guess but all, I but all three of those games yeah. have been absolutely amazing. <laughs> it all comes down to you're, the last play. Yeah, you're That's right. You're right, man. I'm telling you, the Seahawks just should just have every um Sunday. If, if y'all were allowed to, in contractual means, I, I think that would be the way to go. Right. And um, Russell yeah. Wilson always makes for good prime time. That's for sure. It's like I, I, I'm not sure. Do you guys follow Kevin Clark on Twitter? He has this great tweet that says like the Seattle Seahawks literally never play a normal game, and it's so true. Like every single time, especially in prime time, it's like they never can just manage to either win a win a blowout. It's always something close or something ridiculous happens at the end. Yeah, no, it always has to be a nail biter when it comes to when it comes to Seattle. And I th- honestly, this, this week this week might not be no exception. I think the San Francisco Seattle game is one of the most exciting games to to watch out for for sure. And we'll definitely uh, go into that more on our on our game picks here in uh, in just a moment. Definitely. Um, I actually, I have to jump off, and I actually am, have to work tonight. But, yeah, Casey, uh, thank you so much for jumping on. Sorry to hijack it for a little. I'll definitely uh, hop on again sometime soon. Later, Absolutely. Guys. We're looking forward to it. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Yep. Andrew, what did you want to jump into here? Was it that Jets combo? You got something else for us. Uh, thankfully, no more time wasted on the, the New York paper planes. <laughs> um, you know, that just would be hurting my soul too much, um, gentlemen. Uh, Justin, on your Dolphins with Tua time. Hit now me. is the week with it. Do you feel now, especially with how rocky the Bills looked on Sunday against the Jets and the major struggles of the Patriots where you would probably be their best receiver right now, especially <laughs> with Julie Elman out and, and anybody in the locker room at, do you feel now? Do you feel? Nick, Nick will tell you I'd be their best. Nick coached me in, in football in high school, so he'll tell you I'd be their best receiver. Right now, for sure, I can. I can outdo. I can outdo Demir Bird on the football field, maybe. Hey, kind hey. Of. So I think I might be a bit too small. I, I think only five ten. So <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you might get r- beat in the height department, but not. that. Oh, you went out there. I think you were just complimenting my football skills, and you went out. You got to finish that sentence. <laughs> Nick, he was going to hear me. Sorry, I don't know what happened. We lost you. You were complimenting my football oh. skills, and we lost you. Nick, oh, you God. Oh, see, he was going to say that you get better separation than the kill Harry. So, okay, I'm, I'm exactly. Gonna, that, 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 we'll, we'll say it. We'll say it for him. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I am thrilled and excited, and honestly, I, I'm, I'm kind of. I think the, the core emotion though is nervous because I, <laughs> I mean, it's. 
it's Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. It's this really top yes. shelf Rams defense. And I'm a little concerned that that's to his first start. But hey, listen, he, he wasn't drafted fifth overall to, uh, to, you know, to be taken easy on. So, you know, if we're going to see him go out and win games, we've got to see him win the tough ones too. It's not the ideal first the- start, but I am mm-hmm. very, very excited. And you, you mentioned the Bills and Patriots in the state of the division. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. all Do you know got your Dolphins is, going? Do you got your Dolphins winning it now? I, I, I God, I, I want to state that claim, but I can't do it until I see to at least play a full game. I think that would be too biased and unfair. But mm-hmm. I think we all know and acknowledge, and it's objective to say that as fun as Ryan Fitzpatrick is to watch, to his ceiling is astronomically higher. So if he's able to start hitting that ceiling early in his career, which is so tough for rookies to do. If he start, if he's able to do it out of the gate, like we've seen from Herbert and Burrow on a team that is far better than what Herbert and Burrow are currently playing with, then mm. I think that it's, uh, it's certainly in their own possibility. I would be shocked if they finished under second at this place. The Jets are obviously a dumpster fire, as mentioned, and I don't think the Patriots are going anywhere this year. So it's, 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 it's two horse race at this point, and I'm going to say that very cautiously, optimistically, they have a solid shot. Well, that's that's the that's the good uh, optimism that I wanted to hear on that question because <laughs> I knew the next slide I had to ask. You, I was like, "Do you feel that they're going to take this division now after the games on Sunday with the Bills being shaky and the Patriots?" Well, um, let's just say that uh, maybe the ghost of Deion Branch should be their best receiver. Um, at the moment, because um, it is it is rough, rough sledding um, for them at the skill positions. Um, so yeah, that's that's my only question, Nick. Do you feel the same way, or so or I'm gonna? So can you guys hear me now? Yes, yes sir. Goodness, I don't. I'm having all sorts of tech issues today. Yes, I was gonna. I was gonna make fun of Justin's height for a second, but I'm just gonna table it since I missed my opportunity. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, I listen. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be a little bit more aggressive with my pick, and I say the Dolphins do have a shot because. Even though Tua is a rookie, I think that this team around him is better than people give it credit for. I think the offensive line needs to play a, a tad bit better. I, hmm. I think they can compete for the division. I don't think they're going to win it. I, I don't think they're going to win it. But I think, like Just was saying, that it is – I'm going to be more than cautiously optimistic. I'm going to be optimistic saying that this is going to be a team that at least will remain in the playoff hunt a little bit longer than anybody expected them to. Great. I, I, I think all the way through, even. Yeah. Yep. Well, guys, appreciate it. You keep on the good times with this show. And uh, catch Thank you, you on so the next much for, uh, Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for jumping on, Andrew. We appreciate it. Yep. All righty. I think it's time. Now 50 minutes in. Let's jump into our game picks for the week. Given that we're, uh, we're 50 minutes in, I think we can maybe rapid fire a couple of these, although I'm, I'm obviously uh, so happy that we had – Get some, uh, some people jump on today. Obviously, anyone else uh, listening on Locker Room, feel free to, uh, to jump on or, uh, or jump on in the chat as well to talk through these game picks with us. Let us know who you are picking uh, this week. Obviously, we're starting off with Falcons, Panthers, and on cue, Mr. Maxwell is wanting to uh, jump on, talk about uh, yes. talk about his Panthers. So, Maxwell, what are you thinking for this Thursday night football game? Hey, how are you guys doing today? Good, buddy. How are you? Thank you for jumping on. Good, man. Yeah, I figured you guys would would cover this game first. Um, uh, So for me, really, you know, the keys to this game, it's going to it's a little bit scary. You know, as a Panthers fan, obviously going up going up against, you know, Julio Jones, you can't really ignore that factor. Um, They didn't really have him last time. So they, you know, in in terms of the passing game, you know, it wasn't as, as effective. 
Um, but you know, with with Julio and Calvin Ridley on the field, it's definitely going to be a scary a scary proposition. But honestly, I think it'll be I think it'll be a lot of points. Um, I think it'll be be I, I won't I don't want it to be close, but I think it you know will be again just because uh, the Falcons' offense has some extra juice. So it'll be interesting to see though um how how they look from a mental standpoint it's you know the the year so far and the defeats that the Falcons have had um you know it's very tough to be mentally you know strong and and you know still continue to play well so um that'll be one thing that you know you definitely want to look out for but I mean overall I think the Panthers are a better team um you know a little banged up on defense but you know still still uh a little bit better as a whole than the sum of its parts and you know, I think our offense is gonna gonna have a great day. We you know had a good good um, flow and and move the ball well against the Falcons last time against the young secondary that they have. So I, I'm look. I think it'll be entertaining, um, if, if not if anything else. But uh, I definitely think the Panthers pull this one out. All right. Well, when it comes to when it comes to my pick, Justin, I actually I think Maxwell, you took every piece of analysis I wanted to make on this. I think the um, you know, I think the Falcons, I'm sorry, I think the, the Panthers are in a position where they're rolling and the Falcons are just not. Um, I think the Panthers have the better team and I think they have the better mindset. You know, I think you you hit the one thing, Maxwell, that I really wanted to talk about. And mindset is, is so much, it goes so much into sports. And I think they're not in the right mindset. Yeah, they got to win here and there, but it's not enough. I think the Panthers take this one. And I don't well, think I'm it's going to be as close as you think either, Maxwell. I think it's going to be a pretty you don't bigger think it's split. Be close. Interesting. No, I think, no, I th- I think it'll. I don't. I'm not going to say like a double-digit win, but I don't think it's going to be a three-point victory. Wow. Okay. So I'm actually I'm going against the grain here, and I'm I'm picking the Falcons. The Fal- I'm not saying they're a better team than the Panthers, but the Falcons are a lot better team than what their record indicates. And I know there's the adage "You are what your record says you are." But the Falcons have found more ways than I think the Chargers have found in the past decade, and they've been known for this. But the Falcons have found even more ways to lose in heartbreaking fashion week after week after week after week after week. They should be uh, even potentially uh, above 500 if they if they hadn't given, you know, losing these uh, these total heartbreakers last week, obviously, with the girly, uh, you know, unfortunate touchdown that he ran in. But the last time these two teams played, Julio Jones not on the field, which I think is going to make a big difference in this game. Obviously, Julio being a top three wide receiver talent in the NFL, having him on the field with Calvin Ridley, as Maxwell mentioned, and even um, some of their other pass catchers, Russell Gage and and, uh, and Hayden Hurst. I think that the Falcons are going to find a way to pull this one out. I think their offense will be a lot better uh, this week than they were the last time these two teams played. Matt Ryan had a pretty poor game. Uh, was was uh, you know hovering around that sixty percent completion mark, had no passing touchdowns, and had a pick. I think he has a better game here. I think it's gonna be very very close, and I think the Falcons are going to reverse their fortunes. And instead of having a nail biter, heartbreaking loss, they're gonna turn it into a nail biter win uh, this week against Carolina. Yeah, I just think I so for in terms of the close games thing, like I never predict blowouts. <laughs> yeah, in division games, it's a dangerous like, thing to do. <laughs> Unless it's like the team is like significantly better than the other, it's so hard. I always think it's going to be close, especially in this division with these uh, two teams. But I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, the the X factor obviously is Julio, right? So like, you know, you you have to throw uh, some of the offensive um, stats and everything from the last game out the window because Julio obviously is a huge a huge difference difference maker. But you know, like I said, I just hope our our defense 
banged up, but I hope they're up to the task, and I hope it's a, at least a good game. <laughs> yeah, and there are some things to be excited about on the Carolina defense. Obviously, Jeremy Chin being, I think, uh, maybe uh, priority number one, obviously a, a, a revelation almost as a, such a young player who's become such a, a strong starter out of the gate. I think he just earned, uh, was it the NFL Defensive Player of the Week or Defensive Player of the Month for the NFC yeah. honors? Um, yeah, so he's obviously been, yeah. Yeah, defensive rookie of the month. He's, he's been with, month. yeah, he's been with Isaiah Simmons was was supposed to be so far. Exactly, exactly. So uh, you know, having a guy I like just that, wanna, I just want to go on the record, but... Justin, and say that <laughs> I just want to remind you, Justin, when we were talking draft over the summer, I loved him. I loved Jeremy Chin. You did. That is true. Call back to those uh, to those earlier episodes at the start of Pick of the Blitz. You did love Jeremy Chin, and I think he was there in the second round for uh, for the Dolphins to take, and they, they yeah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> um, anyway, no, so I, I think this will be a close game. I'm predicting a, uh, a Falcons win. Maxwell on the record here saying Carolina a close game. Nick saying Carolina potentially double-digit win. Oh, whoa, whoa, so whoa. Be... I, I, don't, I said I don't think it'll be double-digit, but I don't think it'll oh, be I a think three-point win. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Uh, okay, so I misspoke there. I misspoke. I'm sorry I put words in your mouth there. So Nick saying a little bit more of a win. Than, uh, than what Maxwell and I are, are, are predicting there. So definitely going to be an interesting Thursday night football game to watch at for Maxwell. Thank you, as always, for, uh, for jumping up to talk, uh, to talk some Panthers with us. We very much appreciate it. Thank so, you. Appreciate it. That, uh, that brings us to our, uh, our next game in the game picks, and we could start rapid fire running through some of these. Uh, we'll go to the NFC North. Nick, we got Vikings Packers. Your thoughts there? Uh, Packers take this one. Vikings are, are, you know, we talked about the Jets as dumpster fire. The Vikings are, they're not a dumpster fire, but they're closer than they should be. Packers take this one. If we're going yeah. rapid fire, we're going rapid fire, Packers take <laughs> Yes, it. rapid fire. I'm going to say Packers as well. The Vikings seem to be throwing in the towel, trading away Yannick in the same week that they, uh, that Everson Griffin goes on, goes I just, on IR. So, I just, so, uh, I, or we talked about that move Daniel already. Hunter, and, apologies. Yeah. We talked about that move already, and I still, a week later, don't understand it from their perspective. But we, I digress. Continue. Yeah. Packers, big win for me as well. Titans, Bengals. You talked on this one a bit already. What are your, what are your game picks there? Titans. I know I know the that thought was, that little seed of upset was planted in your brain, and you were thinking about it, but not in, it's not in my brain. Titans, take this one, take it big. No, I can't do it either. I, uh, I'm going to say the Titans win this one as well. Derrick Henry has a very, very strong game. I'm going to say Tannehill has a good one too. A lot of offense in this game, but I'm going to say Titans as well. Chiefs, Jets, one word. Next. Next. One Colts. word is next. I can't Colts. wait. Do, well, hold on. Do we want to, for, for fun's sake, do we want to predict sure. how big of a win the Chiefs have? Okay, so here, essentially, the spread is at ne- uh, 19 and a half. Do you think the Chiefs oh have I don't know if I've ever seen such a big spread. <laughs> in, like in the in the decade plus that I've been watching NFL, I don't think I've ever seen such a big spread. Do you do you think they cover? I think I think this is going to be uh, this. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I think this is going to be like a 27, 30 point victory. They're going to kill them. I'm going to say I'm going to go 24 point win for the Chiefs in this one here. I'm going to say the Jets and are I, able to get on the board, but it's it's going to be 24 point win for the Chiefs. Bold prediction, Patrick Mahomes uh, has another game like he had last Sunday where he doesn't have to do a whole lot. He's not going to have a great stat line. Sorry for you fantasy owners out there. 
No, lots of CEH, lots of Le'Veon in that. Oh, Le'Veon Revenge game. We didn't even mention that, by the way. I'm excited to oh. see Le'Veon go to town on the New York Jets. That'll be. Yeah, we did not mention that. He's gonna. Wreck that'll him. Uh, that'll be fun to watch. All right, we spent too much time on the Jets already. Colts, Lions. This is going to be an interesting one. Uh, I'm going to go with the Colts. Uh, I think the Lions are still just not a quality overall football team. Uh, I'm going to take the Colts with the with a pretty solid defensive showing. Yeah, I'm excited to see whether Philip Rivers can keep it up after he had a pretty solid game before they went into their bye week. Whether or not he can come out of the bye now and keep that going because the Colts are a contender if Philip Rivers is playing well. The defense is so good and they have the weapons right. on offense too. So. I'm going to say Colts in this one as well. Game of the week, arguably, Steelers at Ravens. I'm going to go with the Ravens. The Ravens have a lot to prove. Uh, I mean, both teams do. We already addressed it. We already talked about it. So I don't think we need to get higher into the analysis. But uh, I'm going to go with the Ravens in this one. I think I think this one's going to be a close one. Um, I think it's – but I think it's going to be a Ravens victory. So I'm I'm actually taking the, the Steelers here. You I would. Think- I, the, I, what's what's leading me towards taking the Steelers is a how fantastic this defense has been, but b how Lamar Jackson is not the MVP self. I'm not saying he can't be, but so far this season he hasn't had to be, and I I'm not sure if now against a arguably the best defense in the NFL right now, the hottest defense in the NFL right now, if this is the time for Lamar Jackson to be coming in not on a hot streak as he was all year last year. So I don't know if that's a little bit too nitpicky of me, but I think this is a game where you have to be a little nitpicky because it's so close. So I'm going to take yeah. the Steelers in this one. Uh, Rams at our Miami Dolphins. Oh, goodness. Two as they do. Oh, goodness. Um, do it. So Say it. I'm going to do it. Uh, listen, I, I looked back at the, the scores last week, and I didn't mention it. I picked the Dolphins in every matchup. And with the exception of the Bills matchup, I actually felt pretty good about them. Um, I don't feel good about this one, but I will take the loss. I will, I'm going to take two of wins his first start uh, and, and uh, shows why he was the number five pick, uh, why he, if healthy, should have been the number one pick. Uh, Miami wins this one. I'm going to do it, too. The optimism, the excitement, it's flowing, it's rushing. And, and- I, I, I can't not. I can't not. And, and, you know, I think we'll talk about this more tomorrow when we when we break this game down a little bit more in-depthly, but th- yeah. this defense is playing much better, much better for the Miami Dolphins than they were in the first couple of weeks. Xavier Howard has a pick in, like, 6,000 straight games. I think this is – the defense is going to help this team win more more than two will. Yeah, I, I, I think that's certainly a fair statement. The defense is going to have to really contain uh, this, you know, really strong Rams running game. And like you said, we'll go into that more. Uh, on our Dolphins show tomorrow. But I'm picking Dolphins. We might have our Matt Breida game, too. We might have our Matt Breida game. I'm always watching for it. The other side of the AFC East, Pats at Bills. Uh, Bills. Patriots are a mess. Um, I don't think they're going to solve it. I I think this game will be, you know, if you had asked me two weeks ago, I would have predicted a Bills blowout. I don't see that happening, but um, I do see them winning this one. The Bills, the Bills struggled last week against the Jets, and the Jets are pretty terrible, so the struggle against them is bad. Um, but the Patriots are also struggling, and I just I don't see them writing the ship in a week. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm right now. I really think that this is it's time to call it on New England. Like I already mentioned in this uh, in this episode, I so, so I'm gonna too. go. I'm gonna go Bills as well. Uh, they're at home. I think they take this one, and I, I'm honestly not sure it's even gonna be that close. Raiders at Browns. 
And this is another fireworks game waiting to happen. Yeah, I think it's – yeah, I just – you know, I just don't know what Browns we're going to get. Are we going to get the Browns where they put up a, a stinker and they only score six points? Or are we going to get the Browns that put up 40 and everybody's playing great? You know, no Odell is – I think actually going to be more beneficial to this team than it's going to hurt them. And we don't, I don't know if we have time to break that down, but um, I'm going to go with the Browns in this one. I think we're going to get good Baker Mayfield instead of bad Baker. That's a fascinating point. Actually, and I've seen it written a couple of times over the past week. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I agree with, with, with it in principle, taking away such a, uh, a dynamic player, but I understand where it's coming from and how Baker's thrown to his other targets as opposed to Odell. I'm going to take the Raiders in this one. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. But I'm going to say that the Raiders are able to take uh, take advantage of the high-scoring game uh, in this one. They're potentially getting uh, Brian Edwards back. Might take another week still. Uh, but that dynamic rookie potentially going to be playing, at least as of the recording of this episode. Uh, and honestly, all the weapons that Derek Carr has, uh, has had so far, he's made use of all of them, even Nelson Aguilar. I think the Raiders take a close, high-scoring game here. Chargers at... Denver Broncos. Uh, I'm going to go with the the Chargers in this one. Um, Justin Herbert is looking like he's the real deal. We say that every week, and every week he continues to impress me. Um, he, like I say every week, on top of how impressed I am with his ability to play, he has to win some football games, and he got one. Uh, now he needs another. Um, and I think this is a good team to get that. I think the Denver Broncos are uh, they are injury-prone. They've got players being suspended left, right. And sideways, they've got all kinds of issues um, where it just it's they're very discombobulated to use a fun word. Um, I think the Chargers are going to take this one, and I think it's going to be a, I think it could be like a two score difference. This uh, I think this is low key one of the more fun games to watch out for this week uh, because the, the Denver defense has actually been pretty solid despite the fact that they've been dealt bad field position as a defense over and over again by an underwhelming offense. Um, so I think that this could actually be a very interesting game. Vic Fangio, a defensive-minded coach, going up against the rookie quarterback who's been rolling. Uh, but, you know, generally you tend to see these rookie quarterbacks have these stumble games, right, even when they're hot. And I think this might be one of those for Herbert, going into enemy territory, get the defensive-minded head coach against a defense that has been pretty solid uh, despite the circumstances. So I'm going to say that this is going to be a really low-scoring game. Uh, that the Broncos offense that has struggled to get going doesn't necessarily get going here, but does enough to beat a Chargers offense that I think will stumble against this Broncos defense. So let's see a really low scoring game, but a Broncos win here. Uh, one of my, one of my uh, flyer picks of the week, if you will. That brings us to Saints at Bears. Saints take this one big. Uh, I think you're going to see the same Bears offense that you saw. I think the it's just a matter of time before that defense that is so good and so and being so underserved by a poor offense uh, just gets tired. And there's not a, it's not a good team to get tired against. Um, I think the Saints are going to take this one. Alvin Kamara is unstoppable. Drew Brees seems to be, you know, finding his rhythm. And if Michael Thomas plays, it's only going to help. So um, I'm going, I'm going with the Saints on this one. I'll keep this short and sweet. Saints as well for me. That Bears team is going to get a lot closer to 500 over the next couple of weeks than everyone thought they might be when they were five and one 49ers at Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are going to recover after a, an interesting performance by Russell Wilson. Um, you know, those kind of games you're not going to see from him often. And I, I think he's going to come out guns a blazing in this one. I think, although the 49ers have been playing better, 
uh, following that butt kicking they got by Miami. I think they are going to uh, they're going to put up a good fight, but I don't think they're going to be victorious. I think it's going to be a, a Seahawks win. Seahawks for me as well. Uh, I think after Steelers Ravens, this is my favorite game to look out for this week. Uh, you know, obviously two very strong divisional opponents. The 49ers overcoming all these injuries. Very interesting to see what the running game is able to do without Raheem Mostert, without Tevin Coleman. Now counting pretty much solely on Jarek McKinnon and then their undrafted rookie Michael Hasty. They'll need both. Uh, Debo Samuel now hurt as well. So uh, 49ers, we'll see if they can get through the more injuries. I don't think they'll be able to do it against Seattle. Cowboys at Eagles in the worst division in NFL history. Who gets a step up here? Ben DiNucci uh, or Carson So it's, it's funny you were talking about how, uh, how, great, the, uh, how, how great the matchup Pittsburgh versus um, uh, Baltimore was. Baltimore. And had been, you followed up by, you know, and you're saying Seahawks, Niners, great matchup as well. And then we followed up with this dumpster fire of a game. This is going to be yeah. awful. I, I, the, it's it's going to be terrible. And the fact that I have to watch it on Sunday night makes me sad. But I'm going to take the Eagles. Cowboys. The Cowboys are pathetic. Um, I'm just going to go out and say it. You know, they just they are bad and sad. And their players don't care. And the team doesn't care uh, about football anymore. The Eagles are going to take this one. Yeah, that, Maxwell was that was, enough uh, of an analysis <laughs> for you? <laughs> Maxwell was saying before, that's, uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Maxwell was saying before when he came up that he doesn't like to predict blowouts in divisional games. I'll predict the blowout in the divisional game here. I think the Eagles getting healthier will be able to totally torch the uh, Dallas Cowboys, the worst defense in the NFL, what's suddenly shockingly turned into potentially one of the worst offenses in the NFL too, now quarterbacked by an undrafted rookie. Eagles get a blowout win here uh, to take control of the NFC East. Buccaneers at Giants as we'll wrap it up Monday night football. Uh, Bucks, I think that's an easy one. The Bucks are are. Yeah. Remember, remember a few weeks ago, when we were, everyone in the world was like, "Is Brady done? Is this is the end of it?" Man, I'm so tired of saying yes to that question and being wrong. I'm so tired of it. It just like at one what point is it just going to finally happen? Anyway, doesn't seem like it's happening this year, and I doubt it's going to happen against the Giants. Bucks win. I think he's starting to do it on purpose. I think he's having bad games just just to hype everyone up and be like, ha, and I'll just, get him again. Yeah, just to remind us it, how good he is. That's what it has to be. I'm going to say Bucks as well. I don't think this is particularly close. Excellent defense, excellent offense against a struggling Giants team. A feisty Giants team, but a struggling Giants team. So that wraps up our game picks for the week. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around for over an hour and ten minutes. Now, before we go... As we said, as we promised that we would do going forward, after everyone seemed to really enjoy on our last episode, we're going to wrap up, I think make it a, uh, a tradition again on the show to wrap up with the wild card question of the day, totally non-football related. Everyone on uh, listening live on Lockroom, feel free to shout out your answers to these questions on the chat. Last week, we discussed some of our favorite beers. I think Nick asked me what I would do if I had a pet elephant. Things got a little strange. I've got a culinary-related question for you, Nick. I might actually have two, depending on how this first one goes. And I'm very curious to see, because this is a hotly debated question, what everyone else thinks in the chat as well. Here's your question. Is cereal a soup? I think you got to think long and hard about this one, because it'll throw your brain off. Is, is cereal, cereal a, soup? a soup? Um... I'm going to say, I'm going to okay, okay, so I'm going to say no, uh, because of the con, I, mm, hmm, 
Hmm. Uh, I wish Trevor was here so I could throw it to him so I could think about it for another second. Damn it, Trevor. Um, I'm going to say no, although I have no real good reason why. So, uh, yeah, other, other than, than other than the comparison that wrong. it's a soup is gross. Yeah, that that's it just makes me feel uncomfortable calling it a soup. So I know that there are cold soups out there. I don't consider that, that they don't count. A soup to me has to be hot. I think that the, I, just like in terms of like visceral reaction, when you hear the word soup, you think of something hot. And so to me, I don't I don't think it's a question. I feel pretty strongly about this. I don't I it's one of those things where. If someone handed you a bowl of cereal or, you know, rather, if you were blindfolded and they said, here's a bowl of soup or here's a bowl of cereal. And, you, you know, if they or rather, I guess the best way to say this is if they said, here's a bowl of soup and you took a bite and it was a bowl of cereal, you would be like, what the F is this? Right. So that's that's where I come from on that. And I feel pretty strongly about it. No, I think you bring up a great point. I think if, if the, I, that's where I was going to probably go with that is if it's not hot, you can't call it a soup. But I wasn't sure if that was going to get me a lot of, like, uh, nasty comments in the discussion, which doesn't seem like it did. So, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on that. That was a weird one. I, that threw me for a loop. <laughs> no, we do, have, we do have some very, uh, some very interesting answers in the comments. I think J- Josh gave us a full definition. Soup is primarily a liquid, generally served warm or hot, but maybe cold. I don't agree with that. I'm, that definition is invalid to me, Josh. No soup for me, he says. Uh, but now he wants cinnamon toast crunch. I could use some cinnamon toast crunch now too, actually. That that sounds that sounds excellent. Okay, last one, and then I'll let everyone go. Is a hot dog a sandwich? This is a much more popular one. I also feel strongly about this. Nick, what say you? Nick, did I lose you there? I may have lost Nick. Oh no. Josh says no again in the chat. I agree. I, uh, to me, a hot dog must have, uh, rather, a sandwich must have two separate pieces of bread. Hot dog does not. Obviously, the bun is connected. Then someone will come at me and say, what about an open-faced sandwich? That's not a sandwich. That's a totally different thing. In my opinion, I may have gotten Nick back. I'm not sure. Thought I heard something. Can you hear me? I think I lost him. Yeah. I don't know if you heard the Good question. God. That's three times in this oh, one man. episode. Your connection, Nick. That, it's because you're traveling. You're like driving. You're in the car. It's, you're in the garage. I don't know where you are. Yeah, me me neither. Me neither, man. I have no idea what's going on anymore. Uh, no, the answer is no. A hot dog is not a sandwich. Sandwiches have two slices of bread on top of each other. Uh, this is, this is, you put things in a bun. A, a bun like that doesn't make a sandwich. No. Just no. I very much agree. And it seems. The chat agrees as uh, as well for them. Oh, uh, no, actually, okay. I'm actually we're we're getting a little bit of, of contention, a little bit of tension in the chat between that question. I know it's a hotly debated one on the internet, so I thought it'd be fun to to throw it out here. So those were some two, two culinary focused wild card questions of the day. Thank you, everyone in the chat for for your. I'm for, with uh, Josh though. Cinnamon toast crunch sounds super good right now. Not gonna it does lie. Sound. No, maybe some frosted flakes. But on that note. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode, a longer episode, obviously uh, hosted live on the Locker Map, as you could tell from all the participation we got. Guys, that's why we are so excited to be hosting our show on Locker Room, to be able to connect with you guys, to be able to hear everyone's opinions, to be able to bring people onto the show and discuss their points of view as well. That's, that's what we love so much about this app. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or on any other podcast platform, definitely download the Locker Room app. Now, just over the past couple of days, officially launched live 
uh, on iOS, uh, on all iOS platforms. So definitely iPad, iPhone, make sure to download the app and uh, get to listen to us live. We're here live on the Locker Room app on Thursdays uh, to do our national focus show, All NFL, on uh, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Tomorrow we'll have our regularly scheduled All Dolphins episodes. Dolphins fans, make sure to tune in live to that as well. Um, and we will be back at you tomorrow with that Dolphins episode. And then, of course, we'll start again, which we didn't have this week with our Dolphin postgame shows on Monday. We'll start those again, uh, you know, now the Dolphins are off their bye. So, Nick, I think if that's, that's all you got, that's all I got. Thank you again. Yeah, we, I'm going to get out of here before I have life. another tech issue. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, I'm testing fate right now. All righty. Signing off. We will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everybody.